ברוכים הבאים, שם השם ולחנוכים ואיזה שם. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. As we say weekly, dedicate each week to the Nishmas, Elisa Shlamis. Baruch Hashem, this week we are meriting to deliver the shir from Geneva, Switzerland. Yes, the hour is a little different. It's a little advanced here. Baruch Hashem, we have a simcha. And to wish my daughter and my son-in-law and the children a lot of simchas in the family always. Harbe nachas, freid, gesund. And it's actually a week. The Shabbos, Pashat Vayechi, a week that a father wishes the child all the best. A week where a father, Yaakov Inu, calls together all his children to bless them. Although There is slight reprimand in the words that he says to them. But even the reprimand, even Kivayachal, supposed harsh words of a tzaddik, such as Yaakov Inu, are a blessing. And the children all knew, as it was said, from love. said many times that Yaakov Avinu spoke to his children reassuring them and reassuring himself of the oneness and of the greatness of Hashem Yisbarach of God. From there we hear, we have the expression of which Klal Yisrael, the nation, the Jewish nation, lives on time and history of the Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elekeinu, Hashem Echad. Hear, O Israel, said the children, listen our father Yisrael, Hashem, the God that you talk about, Elekeinu, is our God. Hashem Echod not only is our God, He is our only God. Now just imagine if a man a man as holy as Yaakov Avinu a man into a problem here with children as holy as those of Yaakov Avinu the children the Shifta Yudke which is it is known that Yaakov Avinu had Mitasai Shalema the plus that Yaakov Inu had over his predecessors was that Yaakov did not have a Yishmol. Yaakov did not have an Esav. Yaakov had all 12 children, children, pure tzaddikim. No. So we have the question, of course, arises. Why, in that case, would a father of such children 
such special holy children feel the need or have a doubt about his children's reassurance, his children's security, his children's feelings and connections to God, to his God, to the God of his fathers. Perhaps, or just perhaps to say, this is a very big lesson in education, in Chinuch, in how we have to raise our children, in how we need to approach this generation. Whereas this generation is so technologically advanced, this generation is so savvy, so intelligent. They have so many, many things that our generation didn't even dream of. But yet they want. They are want and they are practically, God forbid, devoid of spirituality. The children today, the youth today, find so many obstacles. They find so many different things to entertain, so many different things to give them inspiration in life. And therefore, if Yaakov Avinu, our father Jacob, who is known as the Bechir Shabavis, he was known as the one that outshone Avraham and Yitzchak. Who are we talking about here? Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, the first Jew, the father, the foundation of our nation. Yitzchak Avinu, he was an Eila Tamid. He was a perfect sacrifice. He never left the Holy Land of Israel. And better than them, more, more superior, but superior to them was Yaakov. So Yaakov Avinu, how and where he never went wrong and we know we say that all his children were indeed Sadiqim so then how such a person is it possible that he should have children whom he knew were righteous but yet he wanted to reaffirm, to reassure who they are and what they are and what they stand for. And this we see, in turn, in the blessings that Yaakov bestows upon his children before passing. We also learn that one does not reprimand a fellow Jew until they are on their deathbed. Not the person that you're reprimanding, the person that's reprimanding. Why should one not do that? And there's different angles to it. Firstly, of course, if a person is on their deathbed, and they tell you a certain concept to reprimand you, you look and say, wow, on his deathbed, he had nothing more to tell me. I should look into this sin. Secondly, when a person reprimands one, another person, it's difficult to meet him in the street again.
Once a person is reprimanded by somebody and they know the person is correct and the person was right and the person told them the right thing and the person actually knew what they were talking about, as we say, then you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed to see this person. You're embarrassed to confront this person ever again. Even though you knew that when that person reprimanded you, the person had full 100% pure intentions just to set you straight. And only because he wanted it for your benefit had no ulterior motives. But still in all, still in all, when you meet the person again and you know that they know that sin of yours, and you know that they, it bothers them that you've sinned that way, it's difficult to meet, confront, to meet with them again. And that's another one of the reasons, the many, many reasons, that one gives teichacha, one reprimands only on their deathbed. Yaakov Avino, in turn, taught us that as well. As he tells his children and speaks to them of all the different lessons that he imparts to them on his dying breath. So we look though, and we'll try to dissect some of the brachas that Yaakov you know, imparts to his children. What actually happens here? As he calls his children together, Yaakov makes a statement. Hey, Osfu, gather together, children. He brought them all together at one gathering. Vagidlochem, and I will tell you, Ashayikreschem Bacharis Hayamim. What will happen in the end days, in the end of the world, as we know it today? Now, unfortunately, Hollywood and its wonderful world of sci-fi, and then politics with its wonderful world of nuclear weaponry, have made a different twist have added a different twist to the idea of Achris Hayom, of the end day, the end is coming, the end is near. And they live the life of, of Henny Penny. And Henny Penny, unfortunately, when you say the life of Henny Penny today, um, the generation doesn't know what we're talking about. Generation doesn't know what Henny Penny is, who Henny Penny was, what Henny Penny did. Henny Penny was a chicken. A chicken. And Henny Penny was walking in the street one day and something fell out of a tree. Let us say that something just fell out naturally. Let's not say that a creature threw it at Henny Penny. But Henny Penny got hit in the head nonetheless. Henny Penny then got frantic. And Henny Penny started to scream and to yell, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And Henny Penny started to run through the streets and cause tremendous, tremendous unrest and havoc. He, he stirred up the entire area, the entire surroundings, telling them the sky is falling. And of the population that heard Henny Penny screaming, you would think at first everyone would be skeptical, as you have all the skeptics today. You would think the initial reaction would be that of a skeptic who would say you don't know what you're talking about. 
global warming? Eh. So what? New York, December 25th, is going to is aiming for a record of over 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. But believe me, not I understand what global warming means, and that I understand how it works, and nor am I interested. Because Henny Penny and the sky is falling, we know the sky was not falling. We know it was simply something fell out of a tree. So their expression of the end of the world is near. Is not our expression of the end of the world is near. The end of the world as we know it. As Yaakov Avinu now wanted to teach his own children. Achris Hayomim. Rashi tells us in the Gemara for those keeping score at home. Psachim Nun Vovam at Aleph. In our Parsha, chapter 49, verse 1. Perik Memtes Posak Aleph. Rashi says, Bikesh Yaakov, the Galist of Ne, the one of Kate's Hayomim. Yaakov wanted to reveal to his children the end days. But, the Shechina that rested upon Yaakov, the holy, holy spirituality of God, the godliness that constantly imbued our father Yaakov, suddenly left him and he remained devoid of prophecy devoid of actual words to impart such a vision we've asked this question before Yaakov what were you thinking for those of you that are looking at the calendars It's this year is 5,776. Actually, I did mention Yiralaf Tevis is the outside of Tamim, of Shmuel Alev Shalom, or almost we could say about him, but we don't, want to, we don't do those things, first of all, because you don't want to give the Nisham any hard, heartaches. And secondly, it's a level that one needs to ascertain. Although he was a selfless person, a person that gave of himself, and Hashem should bless his wife, Rose, the two children, two boys, Avremi and Aryeh, with Langi Gesundu Yarn, they should feel his presence among them all the time as he always wanted it to be. A man that gave of himself, a man that gave for other Jews, gave the shirt off his back, literally the shirt off his back, started the uh, patrol, the Maccabee patrol, not telling, not not letting Jews lie down and let themselves be oppressed. Amongst the many, many other things, he was involved in yeshiva. He was a very, very, he was a tremendous mentor. 19... Tov Shalom and Zion, unfortunately, he suddenly had a heart attack on New Year's Eve. 38 years old, I believe he was 38, and left us. Two little children, a very young widow. Hashem should give them all kayach, and his neshama should have an aliyah. should be a melitzeisha for all of us. So the question, going back to the original question, Yaakov, you know, it's 5,776. For those that are still in exile with us, although the Rebbe spoke and speaks of the revelation of Mashiach in our generation, and we need to know how Melech HaMashiach affects us directly in our generation already, But we unfortunately do not have the third temple yet. 
we unfortunately find ourselves still in exile, spread out, whether Atlanta, Georgia, or Scranton, Pennsylvania, we are not sitting, basking in the spirituality, Kedusha, of Mashiach. Hence, the question to you, Yaakov Avinu, Bikish Yaakov the Galas Kets, you want to tell your children about the Kets, about the time of Mashiach, in thousands and thousands of years, which is not Bidaraduna, it's not even possible for any of them to imagine they would live that long. Why throw such a wet blanket on them? And what kaychus would that give them? The question really is, he wasn't giving them a newscast. He wasn't giving them a prediction who's winning the Super Bowl. He was giving them something much, much more, much, much, much deeper. For after all, what really would be the value of such a prediction? But rather he wanted to impart another, yet another lesson to his children. Yaakov wanted to inspire his children to understand and to know that through the way they serve God, they can come to a, they can achieve a level which would be considered zachu, the merit, they would merit the redemption of Egypt, that that would be the ultimate redemption. And he felt that this would inspire them. This would fire up their engines in their service to God. Because after all, by telling them about Mashiach and telling them about their greatness, they would be so much more careful not to sin, God forbid. They would add in good deeds in order to hasten the coming of Mashiach. In that case, the question is not Yaakov. You had a good plan. Your plan was good. Not only your plan was good, but the basic of what you wanted to do was pure. In that case, the question is, on Kvayachl, and so to say, on God. Why Nistalka Ashkina? Why remove the prophecy from him? Why not allow him to impart such a vision upon the Jews so that they would be inspired, so that they would be able to bring Mashiach quicker, so that they would serve God with that much more fervor, that much more love, that much more strength. Chassidus brings down the name of Deve Maschel Vayigash in Samarvov, Deve Maschel Vahaya Hashem, Vashem Omar, Tavish Samarzayin, many other places. There are two ways of serving God. We serve God with our own kachis, with our own initiative, with our own strength, with our own inspiration, with our inner inspiration, which is known as Isarusa de la Sato in the Lashon of Zohar. And then there is the Isarusa de la Eila which is not an opposite, God forbid, of Isarusa de la Sata, but it's an inspiration that comes from an outside source. 
this inspiration, a direct inspiration from God that inspires the person and that brings the person to such a level that they want and they are connected to God. No. Do either of these forms of service have, heaven forbid, a flaw to them? No. Do each one have a plus to them? Yes. And we know, therefore, that the true way to serve is the first. The Razal tell us, if you're keeping score at home, in the Masechus Bab Metziah, Lamed Chesam Ral, 38, side 1, where the Gemara says, Adam Reitze Bekav Shaloi. A person wants his work. A person wants his own toil. A person wants to know that he accomplished this. And so, self-understood that there's an extra accomplishment, an extra feeling that a person has when they know they did this from their own initiative. When they did it with their own strength when they overcame obstacles on their own, when they applied themselves, we know, God forbid, nobody should ever fall into the world of addiction. The world of addiction, once upon a time, stood for smoking, drinking, and then it took another level, a terrible, terrible turn, a twist of drugs, Rahman al-Islam. Today's day and age, there's an addiction that everyone carries around in their pocket with them, follows them to the bathroom, follows them to their dinner table, follows them to meetings, to important meetings, mind you, but follows them nonetheless. This is the addiction of either the smartphone or the internet, which, yes, they do have a very big plus to them. Yes, they do have a very big accomplishment within them, and the proof is living pudding. You're listening to this year on the internet, they're listening to it live from wherever you're listening, from Brooklyn, from Scranton, from Atlanta, from the West Coast, or you're listening to it on a download or upload or whatever you want to call it. Either way, it's a sheer terror that you are being inspired from and that you're listening to. So we see the great plus of this. And then, unfortunately, we see the opposite. We're not talking about, God forbid, anything bad even, of going to looking and thinking of seeing. It's just the occupation of the mind, the, the warnings that have to be put out, the posters, the billboards, the advertisements that have to read, don't text and drive, the law enforcement that has to be followed up with the horrific, horrific fines that one is given if they are caught with their phone in their hand while they're driving. And rightfully so. For that split second that one takes their eyes off the road while they're driving to look at their phone, for that text that can definitely wait. God forbid what they could do, what they could hurt somebody. So the world of addiction, unfortunately, is something that takes on so many different cloaks and daggers. But when a person overcomes this, when a person knows, I accomplished, when it came to my family's dinner table, I have nobody with a cell phone at the table. I don't allow it. All cell phones need to be put away. 
need to be left wherever you leave them, on a table, elsewhere, in a drawer, in a, on your desk, wherever it may be, when you come to the dinner table. First of all, it's family time. And secondly, it's not good for your digestive system. You need to concentrate the way you eat and what you're eating. You have to be conscientious of it. And thirdly, you're making a bracha before you eat. You're making a bracha after you eat. Think of what you're doing, what you're saying, that you're eating only solely for the service, to be able to serve God better. For one sole purpose. And this automatically gives you an initiative in everything else that you do. Can you imagine playing a basketball game in the middle of the game, trying to text somebody? You're going to get hit in the head of the ball. And your opponent is definitely going to run circles around you. Could you imagine the linesman in football as the quarterback gets the ball in his hand and he gets a text before going to either tackle the quarterback or defend the quarterback, he stops to look at his text. You know that your opponent is going to run right by you, <coughs> run right past you. But you don't look at it in that dimension. You don't look at it in that way. So I'm talking to somebody. It's a little rude. No, it's not rude. I'm listening to him. I hear what you're saying. You didn't hear what I'm saying because you didn't answer me. I know. I had this text that I had to answer. What do you mean? I understand? I'm talking to you, standing face to face. This person is texting you from who knows where. And that's more important. That takes a precedence over my conversation that I'm having with you right here now, directly to your face. Oh, please understand. I, it was important. But when you sit down to it and you think it over and you say to yourself, was it? Was it truly that important? Was it truly something that had so much to it that it couldn't wait? And you know what? You will see, no, it was not. It could have waited and it should have waited. And therefore, when you overcome this and you say to yourself that, yes, I want to do this, but I'm not going to do it. I want to drink that extra shot of whiskey, but I'm not doing it. I want to smoke something which I know is going to affect my lungs and my heart and my brain, etc. But I'm not doing it. I want. I am the one that's stopping myself. Unfortunately, Baruch Hashem. Fortunately, unfortunately, today there's meetings for everything, and the meetings, the people discuss it, and the people help each other, and people support each other, and people reach out to one another. It's amazing. It's amazing the, un, the, the unison and the unity in which people come together. People from so many different types and walks of life, and yet they all sit together at this meeting, pouring out to one another their inner feelings, their inner heart, and each one offering a shoulder to the other to help them overcome the obstacle and the pain which they are going through with this addiction or whatever it might be. Is someone, does someone feel as accomplished when they have other people reaching out to help them and they only need, they can only do it when there's other people, when there's all these clutches around them? Ultimately, yes, they feel accomplished. And the name of the game is to give everyone a pat on the back and the pat on the back should be to such a dimension that they should feel that they, yes, really reached ascertained a great level, but tachlis, tachlis, go to the person that had this addiction and overcame it on his own 
and go to the person that had the addiction and had therapies and doctors and people and everything to help him overcome it and look and hear from them their voice hear from them their sincerity their strength their inner strength which they achieve by overcoming this on their own Ashrechem Ashrechem for the one that reaches out and finds through spirituality his own spirituality through finding Hashem through finding God and saying I must therefore behave as a different character now we understand, therefore, what was the reason that Nestalka Hashchina Miyakiv? Why did the Shechina leave Yaakov at this time? When he wanted to reveal the Ketz, to inspire his children, to fire up his children to serve God? For if Yaakov would have revealed it, and the Geulas and Tzrayim, the redemption of Egypt would have been the ultimate redemption. that although the Jews would indeed have been awakened and they would have gone into the strength and this fervor to serve God, but this would not be their own. It would not be on their own initiative. It would not be something that from within themselves they accomplished. They would have felt that this is this great awakening, this great inspiration, this great spirit of life that they were given was from an outside source. But Yaakov himself wanted to reveal this. He wanted all this to finish earlier, as early as possible. Even though the children would be lacking in the service of God, he said, I'll forego that. Let them not suffer another moment in Golos. Let them not suffer, God forbid, another moment in exile. And let them bring the ultimate redemption, the great redemption, speedily and quickly and painlessly. This, therefore, is what Yaakov reached out to his children. This is what Yaakov wanted to impart with his children. Similarly, we see the conversation, the bracha that Yaakov gives to two sons together simultaneously. Ruvain, there's Shimon, Ruvain, there's Yehuda, there's Le- Yasef, there's Menashe, Ephraim. But we turn, who do we see that Yaakov blesses simultaneously? Shimon and Levi. Aye, the famous Shimon and Levi. God forbid to say the scoundrels. He says to them, "Beseidom al tovi nafshi, bekaholam al tachad kvedi ki va'apam harguish." Then he continues to say, "Or apam ki oz ve'evrosam ki gashasa." Let my soul not enter the conspiracy. Let my honor have no part in their assembly. For in their wrath, they killed a man. He goes on to say, Cursed be the rage, for it is fierce, and their fury, for it is harsh. We find this in chapter 49, verses 6 and 7, Perik Memtes, Pesukim Vovin Zayin. Yaakov in his rebuke, to Shimon and Levi, curse their rage. For in their wrath they killed a man. This is an expression, unfortunately, today is used very often time. With a different reference. A total different reference. <laughs> which is In the world of Shaduchim, may each and every one of us find our true zivug quickly and speedily, painlessly. 
as we know that many, many people are unfortunately having a difficult, very, very difficult time with the concept of Shidduchim. And Kiva Af Harguish. The Af not only means wrath, it also means a nose. Sometimes when you're asked about a certain Shidduch, you're asked as a reference, or you're asked, you know of this family, you know of this child, and you don't even say anything. You just twist your nose. You move your nose to a side, as if you don't totally, totally approve of this person. But you don't say anything. Just ba'af with your nose. Hargu'ish, you've killed the person away. person says, ah, if you're making that face, I don't want to know about it. The Shimon and Levi. It doesn't say, Kiba'af, when they're wrath, they killed people. Ish, they killed a man. The Medish says, and Rashi says, explains this. The, the man, the Shimon and Levi, killed, actually does make reference to quite a few men, the entire adult male population of Shem. Yaakov calls them all in one a man. Because before God to defeat the entire Shechem was as simple as defeating one man. For God, the entire Shechem is in one breath, one blink. Why did Yaakov pay tribute to this ease which Shimon and Levi obviously with the strength endowed to them by God and they decimated the population of Shechem why does he take time to pay tribute to this while he's rebuking them for actions as if to say that this very strength was Yaakov's displeasure Shimon and Levi's rage-driven actions and one of the explanations we say again, Yaakov imparting here a very strong message in education. Yaakov agreed with Shimon and Levi that we needed to punish the people of Shechem. But they lied. They were not honest. They were not upfront. You came to Shechem and you told them Join us. Join us. We're willing to make peace with you. We're willing to take you into our circles. We're willing to embrace you. The entire male population should circumcise themselves and will embrace you. And then, as we know, they exploited the weakness and the pain of the men of Shechem and they attacked them and they violated their agreement. This deceitfulness was a disgrace for Yaakov and for the belief system which he stood. And that's why Yaakov rebukes Shimon and Levi. And he says, considering their ability to wipe out the entire city with the ease of killing one man, there was no reason to deceive them. They could have done it. They had the strength. They could have gone to them and said, Chavre, you overstepped your boundary, what you did to our sister. This is a crime, and therefore we're going to wipe you out. But rather, Yaakov says, cursed be their rage, because their anger blinded them from recognizing the ability to met out actually the punishment of the people without resorting to trickery only because they were angry and because they were not concentrating, because they were blinded, because anger, unfortunately, brings a person to a very, very, very horrific level. And that's why the Yomara tells us three things, three ways that a person 
can recognize the true inner sense of another person. Bekisai, bekasai, bekoisai. Which means, with his, when you affect a person in his pocket, if you affect a person financially, if you affect a person, if a person is angry, or if a person is drunk, then we hear what really is within the person's life, what really the person means to say, what really the person has in mind. Bekisai, bekasai, and bekoisai. And so to hear that although they were angry and they were rightfully angry and they rightfully needed to met out this punishment, they allowed the anger to blind them. And in the holy Sefer of Tanya, anyone that gets angry is as if he serves idol worship. And that's not just an expression. That's not just a wives' tale. That's a basic lesson in our life. If a person gets angry at another person for something that the other person did to them, it's as if they are serving every desire. Because bottom line, they did not do it. Hashem did it. It was something that came from God. And yes, although this person needs to be punished for what they did or apologize for what they did, but still in all, they did not do it. They were only a messenger from God. And therefore a person needs to accept and a person needs to move on in their lives knowing that whatever happened to them was directly from God and therefore they need to understand how to cope, how to live, how to move on, how to forge ahead and not allow any of their attributes, any of their feelings, emotions to get involved but rather to overcome them like any other addictions and to overcome them like any other type of pains, like any other obstacles that one has in life. They need to overcome them so that they can serve Hashem properly. And by saying that I can't, because Hashem does not give me the strength, by saying that I can't, because I don't believe that it came from Hashem, God forbid, this is as if one worshipped idols. And to this, therefore, but Yaakov voices his displeasure with the actions of Shimon and Levi. Yaakov Avinu was very disturbed, very <laughs> scared. As we know, and we've mentioned before, Yaakov had his doubts about his children's true, true connection and belief in God. And therefore, sitting now on his deathbed, imparting the words, the final words of a father to his children, he does it in a way that awakens within the children themselves to understand that they need to reassure and to reaffirm with Yaakov their connection to God. Yosef Atadik. Who loved Yaakov more than Yosef? And as we all know, who did Yaakov love more than Yosef? With the story going dating back to the Xenus Passim, dating back to the firstborn of Rachel, Yaakov and Yosef had a tremendous, tremendous connection. The punishment that Yaakov had for staying away from his own father for so many years was he was deprived of Yosef. None of the other children, but Yosef, the apple of his eye. 
Yaakov Avinu wanted to be buried in Hebron. He did not want to be buried in Mitzrayim for the many reasons of not being buried in Mitzrayim, of course. As the Rashi brings down, because of the Makis that will hit the ground because of after after one would have to roll to it, so all the different reasons. Or because he wanted to be buried, because he he bought the place, he bought the spot, he earned it. Or because he simply wanted to be next to all those holy, holy souls that are in the Marasamachpela. For whatever the reason, Yaakov wanted to make sure that Egypt was not his final burial, was not the, the last stop. Who else can he turn to if not the second in command? To the one that's highest ranking in the entire Egypt, his own son, Yosef Atzadik. And he does just that. He tells Yosef, don't bury me here. But he comes with a little bit of an introduction. Because Yaakov had a little bit of fear in the back of his mind. I love Yosef and Yosef loves me. I know it. There's nothing to talk about. There's no doubt in my mind. But what doesn't a child do for their mother? The Yiddish Mama, the love for their Yiddish Mama. And what did hap- What did I do to Yosef's mother? I did not bury his mother in Chevron Marisamachbelo. How possible, how much of a chance is it, God forbid, that Yosef will do that to me? And therefore he says to him, Ani bevoimi padan meisa alay rochel. Yaakov goes into this description. As they were on the road, Rachel passed away in childbirth, as we know. Vekberea shom bederech efros he beislochem. All the explanations, etc. This is chapter 48, verse 7, Perik Memches, Pasik Zayim. Rashi explains, It was not my idea. The idea to bury her there was not mine. This came from God's word himself. She should be a help to her children. When the ultimate wicked emperors exiled the Jews to the Bavel, Rachel goes out. She cries. She asks for compassion for them. She pleads for compassion for her children. HaKadosh Baruch HaMeshiva And the Almighty answers Rachel Imenu There is a word, reward for what you have done and therefore Noam Hashem and therefore Veshavu Vonim Ligvulam I will return ultimately the children, your children, to their borders. So that your prayers are not void enough or not. So Rachli Menu is there for a reason. Rachel Imenu is there for a very big spiritual reason. So if that's the case, Yosef, don't blame me. Yosef, don't punish me. 
Yosef understand what it's all about. Narashi's explanation throws us a curveball here. Because Rashi is contradicting himself. Now bear in mind, Rashi is written for the Benchamash the Mikra. And the Benchamash the Mikra is brilliant. That five-year-old learning Chumash is brilliant. So much so he remembers every word Rashi says. You explained to me a Pasuk before. You explained a certain word before in a certain way. I'll remember that. So Rashi now is contradicting himself. Here he explains that Rachel was buried not in Maras HaMachpela. Why was he buried? Not, why was she buried not in Maras HaMachpela? Because she was because she was there in order to protect the Jews. Whereas, whereas, we see prior to this, in Pashas Vayetze, the Fisha Zilzal because of a relationship problem that she had with the Tzadik, with Yaakov, therefore she was not, she did not merit to be buried with him. These are total contradictions. Either one of them explains to Yosef Atzadik why Yaakov did it, and therefore he should not punish Yaakov and not bury him in the Maris HaMachpelah. But regardless, they're not the same explanation. And therefore, what is Rashi trying to get at? We know, of course, the Medrash that tells us that Rachel Imenu goes into the, heaven, the heavenly courts and she cries out, I brought and let my sister take my place. My husband Yaakov worked for me for seven years. And when it came for me to go under the chuppah, I sent my sister. And not only did I send my sister and not complain and not protest, I gave her all the signs. Therefore, you too, don't do this to my children. Don't remain silent. And therefore, the Almighty's greatest compassion is awakened to an extent that he says, Yeshachar lefulaseich, there is actual reward in what you have done for your sister and therefore the act of Rachel giving over the signs to her sister shows something not so great shows that she was willing to give up the unity of being with the holiest, righteous person of the nation, of the generation, with Yaakov Avinu. She was willing to pass it up. And that lacks, that shows a little bit of lacking. Never mind what happened later with the roses, the flowers, with the dedoyim. So how could this be considered a plus? She gave away the chuppah, and going to the chuppah with Yaakov, she gave it away and she went and let her sister marry him. She did not marry the tzaddik of the generation. She was prepared to forego that. That you want to tell us is a plus that she did, that God says that in the merit of this great deed, I will bring the Jews back out of exile? But rather, being with the righteous, with the tzaddik, is a very, very spiritual thing, a very great thing. But still in all, Rachel was willing to give that up and gave the signs to her sister. She gave over the spirituality. She didn't just give over her physical husband, 
she gave over the spiritual greatness of being together with Yaakov Avinu in order not to hurt her sister. This, said God, merits that and therefore this unites the two explanations. That the reason she's not buried with her mothers is because her entire intention in life was to help, to help her children, to help her generation, and to help future generations. And therefore, in her merit, will be the Shavuvanam Ligvula. Oh, Murphy. The Shavuvanam Ligvula, and the gener- that God will return us to Yerushalayim and Akedish speedily in our days. And this very Shabbos, as we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak, we will say Chazak, Chazak on our exile, on our Golis, and we will strengthen ourselves, overcome. And being Yerushalayim, Irak with Mashiach Tzikeinu, Shabbat Shalom to all.